1: I want to tell you the story of a girl from Mobile, Alabama, who from a very young age knew exactly what she wanted to do.
2: I started writing when I was nine, but I was—I wanted to be a singer. And then I realized I couldn't sing. So then when I turned 11, I started writing raps, and I wrote my first rap. It carried on to high school, and now Flo Millie's here. Flo Millie is most definitely
1: here. She's a 21-year-old rapper.
3: What was the first rap about?
2: Um, you want me to rap it? You want Okay. Walk <laughs> up in the mall, all eyes on me. I get my swagger on with my J's on my feet. I'm rocking this beat, yeah, I'm rocking this beat. My swagger on a hundred, can't nobody touch me. I'm a five plus five, yep, shawty, I'm a ten. We made it this far, so we might as well win. Riding in my bed, so you know I'm getting paper. I'm busy stunting on you, so I have to see you later. <laughs> Yo, I was like 10, 10 years old when I wrote that. Flo spent the next years going
1: to school and working, but making music was her primary focus. Like many artists of her generation, she posted each new song online. And one of her tracks, called Beef Flow Mix, started trending on a platform that Flo didn't even use, TikTok. Around this time, someone high up at TikTok took an interest in Flo Millie.
4: She came to the offices, and she didn't even
1: have a TikTok profile at the time. That's Isabel quinteros Anus. She's head of music partnerships at TikTok, and she personally sat down with Flo Millie and urged her to come onto the platform. TikTok prides itself on helping discover emerging artists.
4: After, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes talking to her, I was like, you're really funny. Like, you're just like a funny person and you're beautiful and I think you would do really great on platform. I promise you, once you have one song go viral, your chances of going viral again
2: increase. And that is exactly what happened. And so after that, like, it just kept going up. And then on TikTok, it just went crazy. Like, so it was about a month after that, labels was coming up. Not even a month, honestly. It was like a couple weeks. And I was just flying in New York, flying everywhere. I like my head to my ass. Do dash, can you make it go fast? Fuck the fame I is them bands. if she keep on mugging. I'll
1: and then Flo's life changed. Her fame on TikTok has given her mainstream music success. She signed on to RCA Records, and the B.E.T. Hip Hop Awards nominated her for Best New Artist.
2: Honestly, I didn't choose this path, but I will embrace it, you know, like that, the fact that my music made, on, made it on TikTok. But I would just say that I'm just using it to my advantage. Flo Millie isn't
1: just a rapper who got her start on TikTok. Now, she's a creator as well, pumping out videos and growing a following on the app. And she did amazing. She's at
4: 500,000 followers. Her content gets millions of views so I think that she's very much on her way doesn't need me as much anymore
1: (laughs) Flo Millie was singled out as a musician who would make it on tiktok and she's not the only one tiktok understood that to attract hundreds of millions of users to its app they had to keep their users happy by taking bold steps that meant hand selecting the popular people on the app Creating paths toward fame and funneling money to individual creators. So, for the top TikTok creators and musicians, TikTok was more than a platform, it became their job. You're listening to Foundering. I'm your host, Shelly Banjo. In the first two episodes, we told you the founding story of TikTok, how two guys from China created the idea and the technology for what we now know as TikTok. First there's Alex Ju, an eccentric guy from Shanghai who is obsessed with design and understanding how teenagers behaved online. He created Musically, which was folded into TikTok. And then there's Zhang Yiming, the CEO of ByteDance, TikTok's parent company. Yiming's secret weapons are advanced AI algorithms that tailor videos to each individual, while also gathering enormous amounts of data. In this episode, we'll explain how Alex and Yiming were able to plot a path for TikTok that would not only change the world of social media, but also upend pop culture, music, and the economics of fame. Suddenly, this app from China that many people had never heard of was determining multiple facets of American culture. Who gets to be famous? Which musicians will hit it big? And what trends are people talking about? By harnessing its newfound popularity and influence, TikTok's Chinese parent company ByteDance made even more money and became the first Chinese company to successfully create a truly global consumer app. We'll tell you more after a quick break.
5: Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. Start your journey at steeple.com That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
6: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
1: TikTok was coming up in the U.S. right when an app called Vine was falling apart. Vine was the original short video app. It played six-second videos over and over
2: again on a loop. We in this beach, finna get crunk. Abrazon fleek. Two for the van. I'm gonna do it. Two for the van. I'm gonna do it. I go do it. Two but a vac Question for you.
1: And even though the memes launched on Vine live on, Vine is remembered as a failure. Because after Twitter bought Vine, they completely squandered its success. Someone said Vine walked so TikTok could run. And I think that is a really accurate uh, analogy. That's Karen Spencer. She used to work at Twitter as Vine's head of creator development. Karen says that a handful of Vine stars got pretty famous. And that became a problem for Vine because the creators wanted something that Vine just wasn't willing to give them, money. There were a lot of conversations had between creators and myself where they were making demands that Vine pay them for every Vine that was posted. That was not something um, that Twitter was comfortable doing. In a last ditch effort to show some love to their creators, Vine held this big party in November 2015. But it didn't exactly go as planned.
7: Vine threw a party to just basically show the influencers, hey, we care, we appreciate what you're doing, and it completely backfired.
1: That's Darwin Metzger, a social media marketer. He says the lavish party actually made the Vine creators more resentful.
7: All of the Viners looked at this party and how much money they spent and literally just went back to their apartments. They all literally lived together in one building on Vine Street, not making that up in Los Angeles, and basically said, well, if they have all this money to spend on a party, how come there's no money for us?
1: Within weeks, the Viners left the platform, and Darwin says Vine lost 60% of its traffic. Less than a year later, Twitter announced it would shut down Vine completely. It didn't matter how funny or innovative or beloved the platform was. Vine just wasn't a sustainable business. Vine took an approach toward creators that was common among social media companies in the U.S., They were essentially saying, we'll give you an app that you can use to become famous and make money, but you're on your own to do the rest. What that means is that the creator doesn't feel any allegiance to the platform. I'm sure you remember that moment when um, Kylie Jenner tweeted, "You know, Snapchat is dead," or "I've deleted Snapchat," and those types of things happen because they don't have relationships with the people at the companies, and so they're not thinking about Snapchat, the faceless brand, the the company that I don't know anyone at, so I'm not worried about hurting someone's feelings. When ByteDance bought Musically and rolled out TikTok in the U.S., they weren't going to make the same mistakes during this delicate transition. Alex Jew was paying close attention to the creators.
5: I remember like working in the office and Alex would spend like two hours a day just flipping through his phone watching like TikTok videos. And I was like, that's a fun job. Like I wanna do that more.
1: That's Michael Buzenover a product manager at TikTok. He goes by Buzz. He says the switchover from Musical.ly to TikTok felt like a balancing act. Because Musical.ly already had 100 million registered users. It had brand deals and famous creators.
5: Everyone on the team was talking to creators and telling them that, like, there's something big coming and this is happening. And I did some calls. They were like, what's TikTok?
1: For weeks, Alex Ju gathered all the phone numbers of the top creators on Musical.ly. They spent hours calling creators personally to assure them that rebranding as TikTok would be a good thing. The ByteDance CEO, Zhang Yiming, was about to invest a lot of money into making sure TikTok was successful. And they were just on the cusp of hitting the mainstream.
5: Guys, last week on the show, Uh, I told you about this cool app that I've been getting into called TikTok. It lets you post short videos of you doing fun stuff like lip syncing or acting out a silly scene. In
1: 2018, Jimmy Fallon spoke about his fun new pastime on The Tonight Show. And he did more than just talk about TikTok. He urged his audience of 2.5 million nightly viewers to get on TikTok.
5: Uh, And I asked you guys to make videos of yourselves dropping to the ground and rolling around like a tumbleweed every time you hear this. So, in just a few days, you guys made over 8,000 videos, which got over 9 million views. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Thank you so much. Uh,
3: so TikTok thought,
1: says it didn't pay Jimmy family family Fallon friends. to post on the app, and Fallon's team declined to comment. But this was a planned partnership, and part of a deliberate strategy by the company, recruit well-known American celebrities to shine some of their star power on TikTok.
6: You identify a couple whales, you pay them for a certain number of posts, and then sort of a flywheel from there, because, you know, the internet is like a, is like high school cafeterias. The second the popular kids do it, everyone wants to get in.
1: This person was a high-level advisor to ByteDance. It's his real voice, but he wanted to be kept anonymous. And TikTok was able to cater to these whales from a massive marketing budget that Zhang yiming at ByteDance gave Alex Ju. The plan was to make TikTok the place for celebrities and artists, and drive more people to the app. It would be a major achievement for a company from China.
6: I think every Chinese company wants to prove that it can, you know, penetrate the U.S. because the U.S. is, you know, still dominant in terms of soft power. Um, and so, you know, this is why they invested literally a billion dollars, you know, what is it, a year ago, on making sure that TikTok was number one, uh, which obviously worked.
1: A spokesperson for TikTok says they didn't spend one billion dollars. He declined to tell us their global ad budget, but said they spent $300 million in U.S. advertising alone. Still, this point on soft power speaks to something I've noticed while I was reporting in China. See, American culture has huge influence overseas. In China, kids watch The Big Bang Theory, they wear NBA jerseys, and they listen to Taylor Swift. China has long wanted that kind of cultural prestige. ByteDance had just raised a lot of money, and they were willing to spend big— to make TikTok ubiquitous in the US.
6: Like, I mean, that's a ridiculous marketing budget. That's I think that's an indication of the willingness to put, you know, resources full throttle. But like, I would also argue that's just paying your way up the charts.
1: On New Year's Eve 2018, TikTok beamed its logo on the facade of the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, the world's tallest building. And on the other side of the globe, in New York City, The TikTok logo was adorned at the very top of the ball drop in Times Square. It went beyond billboards. The ByteDance CEO Zhang Yiming wanted to flood the internet with TikTok ads to accelerate the app's growth. And he was actually using TikTok's competitors, American social media companies, as a way to gain new users. Here's former ByteDance employee John Boyd Bolton.
5: You know, ByteDance would create slick little ads that show why TikTok's cool. and, And it would have, you know, the little install button on it. And so they did that in a way that could be unprecedented, frankly.
1: It's really ironic, looking back, that Facebook and Snapchat were running TikTok ads, as if they were encouraging their own users to leave and join another platform. TikTok's competitors might not have known it at the time, but TikTok was coming for them.
6: Most of them didn't even know that they were spending so much money. Um, And that was surprising to me because it was kind of so obvious. Like, how could an app come out of obscurity, suddenly be number one over and over again and penetrating the mainstream this rapidly? The only way to do that is to pay. Like, even Facebook's organic growth was not like that. If anything, like, I would say many of them were not taking it that seriously. Um, I think maybe they regret that now.
1: That was the ByteDance advisor who spoke anonymously. He said Snapchat, YouTube, and Facebook had a blind spot when it came to TikTok, and that was dangerous because TikTok was poaching many of their prized employees. One of TikTok's smartest hires was Vanessa Pappas from YouTube. She literally wrote the YouTube creator playbook. It's like the Bible for social media stars on turning their fame into a profession. And this meant that TikTok would run the most aggressive creator-focused strategy of any social media company.
5: Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
6: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
1: Meet Gabby Murray. Choose an 18-year-old from Florida.
8: So I woke up pretty early, and then I did my morning workout. Then I gave myself some clothes for the day. I changed.
1: She's been on TikTok since the app first launched in 2018.
8: It It was one summer. I was super bored, and my mom was working, and I really wanted to do something fun. And I always loved to be on camera. Ever since I was little, I love movies, and so I wanted to uh, have this goal to get like bigger on the app.
1: Gabby now has more than seven million followers. She remembers the first time one of her TikTok videos went viral.
8: And I love Stranger Things. Stranger Things is one of my favorite shows. I, I thought of this idea. I, I got my wardrobe on and I pretended to be like 11 from Stranger Things. Um, and I and I opened like put my hand out and I opened the door with my mind, which I didn't actually do. I edited it, but um, it looked pretty dope. That was the video that got me like the big numbers for sure. <laughs>
1: I love how Gabby clarifies that she didn't actually open the door with her mind. Gabby quickly realized that getting famous on TikTok was not just an art, but a science. Because unlike its competitors, TikTok gives creators a roadmap on how to reach more people. If you're on Twitter or Facebook, most hashtags start trending organically when lots of people post about the same thing. But the popular hashtags on TikTok are often hatched within the company or sponsored by brands they're often referred to as challenges. When Gabby is making her videos, she follows the TikTok playbook.
8: Yeah, so when you use a trending hashtag, it just pushes the video out to the algorithm more, and essentially you get more likes, follows, shares. You just get more of everything.
1: Gabby says that after she got a big enough following, TikTok even assigned her an individual manager to keep her updated on current trends.
8: But I do have a TikTok uh, representative or like a micromanager, if you want to call it that.
1: Gabby might have a different definition of micromanager.
8: And um, she actually sends like an email of like all the trending hashtags and everything that we should be doing, like what are the new features on TikTok. And using those tips can get you more exposure.
1: Do you think that they work?
8: Yeah, no, for sure. I've actually tested it out one time Um And the video did super well for me. And um, it wasn't something I would typically post, but I just wanted to try it out because she said so. So I just tried it.
1: (laughs) A TikTok spokesperson told me that using a trending hashtag does not necessarily guarantee more views. And organic trends still emerge on the platform. But I want to highlight Gabby's point about the TikTok rep who works with her. At Facebook or Twitter, this kind of thing tends to happen with the president or like Kim Kardashian. YouTube does this with their really big stars, but almost every TikTok creator I've ever spoken to with more than say 100,000 followers has told me some version of the same story. The highly personal touch doesn't just come out of the goodness of TikTok's heart. This is a shrewd business move because the more attention TikTok showers on creators and musicians, even ones who aren't superstars, the more loyal they become on the app and the more they post on TikTok, the more users TikTok draws from Instagram, YouTube, and Snapchat. So at this point, you might be wondering, how much is Gabby Murray making?
8: Oh, gosh. Uh, man, you can make a lot. I mean, you know, Charlie Addison, all those people make way more. Like, I mean, I guess Addison made $5 million this year, rumored has it. Uh, that's insane on TikTok alone. And I don't even think it's been a year since she was popular. Like, it's wild. But um, for me, like, on a good month, I would say anywhere from 10... To fifteen, twenty 20 grand, um, which is fantastic. Charlie
1: and Addison are actually two different people. They're the TikTok stars, Addison Ray and Charlie D'Amelio. Forbes says that each of them make over $4 million a year. But Gabby's bringing home annually up to $240,000. Let's just sit with that for a second. That's a lot of money. And now she has her sights on more. Gabby's decided to put college on hold and try her luck in LA.
8: I have representation in LA and it's it's a it's a commitment and I'm making money. I'm making a good salary and and I think I should take this opportunity now. I can always go back to college. So, I'm going to be making bank, hopefully. <laughs> right? That's the goal. So, <laughs> well, she can only make
1: bank if her manager can actually get her on the phone. Here's Brian Nelson, who represents Gabby and a roster of teen influencers.
6: I will tell you that the anxiety level for me is very high. Most of them don't want to talk on the phone at all. They don't like to read, press, or just read in general. They like to watch video.
1: So when Brian has a job opportunity for them, they can be hard to reach.
6: They won't read or talk. And they're the great communicators of our time, but they're kind of communicating, like, the way they want to. Finding them is actually our biggest problem, to be honest. I mean, I wish I can chip every single one of them.
1: We'll be right back. TikTok has created a new economy, so to speak, which can support young TikTok stars like Gabby and managers like Brian. It might sound like some incredible fluke, but it actually follows a blueprint that can be traced right back to Alex
9: Chu. The, The way I look at it... Building a community is very similar to running a country, running an economy. And you want people from Europe to migrate to your country, right? And Instagram is Europe. Facebook is Europe. How can you do it?
1: (laughs) That's Alex, speaking at a tech conference in 2016. The person you hear laughing is Josh Elman, one of Alex's early investors. I just want to point out something funny. In Alex's metaphor, the Chinese-owned app TikTok is America, and the American-owned apps Instagram and Facebook are Europe. And bear with me here. This elaborate metaphor is actually pretty salient. Alex likens the people joining TikTok to settlers moving to a brand new country.
9: How can you attract those people to come in? The problem with Europe is the social class is already stabilized. For average citizen of Germany, of Germany, of France, they have almost zero opportunity to go up in the social class, right?
1: So here, wealth and social class are a stand-in for social media fame. And Alex is saying the chances of blowing up on Instagram now are slim, because it's already so crowded. But TikTok would be uncharted territory, the Wild West, where average people can move and maybe strike gold.
9: And then these people became role model for other people living in Europe. And they see, hey, this is a normal guy, and he just uh, went to America, and he became super rich. I can do the same, right? And then lots of people came to your country, and then you grow population, you grow economy.
1: Alex also knew it wasn't enough to just focus on the top graders, the royal class, to use this terminology. You also had to create a path and a promise for the lower classes to climb the ranks that if they post a lot of videos on TikTok, then one day they too could become famous and they'd make money along the way.
9: Having an American dream is good, but if it's only a dream, people will wake up. <laughs> you have to give the opportunity to average people and make sure they got satisfaction, make sure they're middle class mm-hmm. coming up.
1: This strategy that Alex laid out would actually work to a T. TikTok did draw creators and artists away from Instagram and Facebook, they did provide new ways of getting famous on social media. And you can see the most extreme examples of that in TikTok's collab houses.
3: A very quick tour of the new hype house. We'll start here the elevator. Nick's room, it's messy. Movie theater room. Andreas's room. Michael's cubby. Tony's room. Thomas's room on the second floor.
1: If you've never heard of a collab house, These are mansions where a bunch of TikTok stars live together and create videos.
3: Oh my God! Calvin, want to race? Three, two, one, go!
1: It's a bit like 1990s real world meets Shark Tank.
3: Imagine a sleepover, but forever, and now living with my friends. Like these are my best friends. Like I grew up with these kids.
1: That's Alex Warren. He's 20 years old and has around 14 million followers on TikTok. He's one of the founding members of The Hype House, a TikTok mansion in the Hollywood Hills. Alex Warren has 11 roommates, ages 17 to 22, and each of them has millions of followers on TikTok.
3: You're never alone. There's always something happening, like someone's screaming. We have a bus outside that we just got. I bought a golf cart. Like we have motorcycles, we have drift carts.
1: By the way, I had to look up what a drift car is. You know how in some movie chase scenes, a car might skid sideways in a cloud of smoke against the direction of the wheels? Apparently you can buy a car built just for that purpose. Anyway, the Hype House is a mansion full of toys. It's a $9 million house with a theater, an elevator, and a pool. And of course, there are multiple balconies to shoot videos and glorious outdoor light. The Hype House even has brand sponsorships. There's this energy drink that's featured in a lot of the TikTokers' videos. Deceptively, these TikTok mansions are also workspaces. They allow the TikTok stars to create videos together and build off each other's followings. This gets them more attention and bigger brand deals. And again, that doesn't just benefit the creators. It also means more viewers and more money for TikTok. And Alex Warren is quick to point out that it's not all just fun and games. He says that while being an influencer and shooting short videos might look easy, it's hard work.
3: This is real work. It's different. It's not something you're used to, but it is real work. And this job is hard. And the amount of times I've gotten where it's like, oh, you know, you don't have a real job. And it's like, it's not what my taxes say.
1: (laughs) He wouldn't say exactly how much he's making.
3: I can't tell you that. (laughs) That was a good try, though.
1: (laughs) But he would give a ballpark figure.
3: Seven figures a year.
1: So that's at least $1 million a year for Alex Warren. But what does TikTok get out of it? Well, droves of teenagers tune in every day to TikTok to follow Alex's every move. Some of them copy his dances, stream his favorite music, and try to replicate his silly pranks. And most importantly, many of his TikTok followers buy the stuff that he and his Hype House roommates tell them to buy. The TikTok stars drive up the time users spend on the app and also attract brands to advertise through the platform. Now, TikTok is experimenting with online shopping They're placing buttons right in brand-sponsored videos that can lead users to buy whatever it is the creators are selling. So while Alex becomes a millionaire, TikTok is getting richer, too. Alex Warren was doing so well on TikTok that when I spoke to him recently, he'd even become a job creator.
3: I've been doing this all myself for the last few years. Uh, Recently, I've hired a manager, obviously. I hired an assistant.
1: So I totally believe that churning out videos every day is hard work. But I had to stop Alex to ask, what exactly does the assistant of a 20-year-old TikTok star do?
3: My assistant does too much. I love him. I just hired him, like, last week. But, like, he is—I don't know. He, I have him do everything, which is so helpful because I get costumes. I get um, skis. I get stuff to tow people from the back of my car. Like, and then— um Once he's done with that, then it's like, you know, I need to switch over to Verizon. I need to go to the DMV. I need to um, just everyday stuff that like a normal assistant would help with.
1: And it's not just the assistant he likes. TikTok dotes on Alex Warren. They sent him a basket of gifts when he reached 10 million followers. And TikTok sent him cookies for his birthday. It sounds weirdly chummy, but some of this can be explained by cultural differences. In China, there's often a close relationship between social media companies and their stars. TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, woos creators from rival platforms. Some get paid to post videos on the Chinese version of TikTok. And the CEO, Zhang Yiming, even created hundreds of salaried positions for creators in China, meaning they received regular paychecks from ByteDance. This was almost unheard of in the U.S., The closest you got was YouTube, which does fund a small number of channels and original content. But most of the creators there make money by enabling ads on their videos, and there was no guarantee. TikTok took a much more hands-on approach.
7: They're not making any of the mistakes that Jack Dorsey and Vine made by uh, not providing really proper monetization channels for their talent.
1: That's Darwin Metzger, the marketer we heard from earlier. He says brands like Chipotle, the NBA, and Red Bull— picked up pretty quickly that TikTok would be the way to reach the much sought-after Gen Z audience.
7: Now, brands are going directly through TikTok and having TikTok negotiate with big TikTok stars for branded sort of native content. Uh, And those deals are going to skyrocket because A, you get to weaponize this talent that means something to their audience, but also TikTok controls all the levers to make sure it gets whatever view count it's promised to a client. It's really a perfect platform for ad buys.
1: So to be clear... The ad runs on TikTok, the creators are famous on TikTok, TikTok can control the reach of the ad, and TikTok has connected the creator to the product they're selling, meaning TikTok is on every end of the deal and the money flows right back to TikTok. This all makes the platform even bigger and allows them to spend even more. Because the creators owe their livelihoods to TikTok, they tend to be fiercely loyal to the app one manager told me that TikTok even created a scholarship for a TikTok star to pursue a master's degree. Isabel quintero Sanus, the head of music partnerships at TikTok, says they take a similar approach with musicians. We
4: spend a lot of time texting, messaging, emails, phone calls. I don't necessarily need to be in real life to help you, but they do have like access to me
1: um, as much as I, I can give them. And Isabel has even personally visited the homes of artists on TikTok to advise them on videos. TikTok even pairs artists with brands for sponsorship deals and sometimes takes a cut along the way. Because the more money artists can make through the app, the more money that flows into TikTok. The company prioritizes music because music is the backbone of the app. Almost every skit or meme on TikTok is timed to a song, every video predicated on a beat. So without music, TikTok probably wouldn't have become the online playground and the soundtrack for an entire generation. As TikTok gains power in the music industry, it even sometimes tells the record labels what to do. When the rapper Megan the Stallion was first getting popular on TikTok, her label wanted to put their marketing muscle behind a song called Captain Hook.
2: On a dick you been "Captain Hook."
1: But Isabel said no. Instead, she advised them to put five songs out on TikTok and then just lurk and see how they do. So Captain
4: Hook did okay, and but Savage, you could just see um, the. Creation amounts, like in a short period of time, were incredible.
1: And then it just was just growing exponentially every day. So after seeing Savage far outperform Captain Hook and the other songs, TikTok moved all its marketing attention toward promoting Savage.
4: We let it sort of simmer um, in the app. And then we started seeing that Savage was going. And even then, I we held promo levers to just let the sound mature to the right point, where then when we pulled everything that we had against it, it just propelled it to number one.
1: When TikTok moved to promote Savage, it turned the song into a monster hit, reaching number one on the Billboard charts. Megan Thee Stallion recorded a remix with Beyonce, which even mentioned TikTok in the lyrics and featured TikTok clips in the music video.
2: Hips, when I dance dance. On Times. Talk
1: about incredible advertising for TikTok. This is another thing that goes back to Alex Jew. He knew early on to steer clear of outright competing with the record labels. Here he is in 2016.
9: We only use music as a raw material. Music is not the end product. Having the music on Musical.ly actually helps them to generate revenue.
1: This tape from Alex is really revealing. First of all, he's talking about music as raw material, like it's slumber or steel, because music is the basis for the videos people make. Catchy songs are what make TikTok so addictive. But also, as much as the music industry makes it seem like TikTok was this accidental hit maker, Alex is saying that all of this was planned from the start, that TikTok launches hit song after hit song by design. I spoke to Jiajia Liao, who worked for Alex at Musical.ly back before it was folded into TikTok. She says they put an enormous effort into winning over the music industry.
8: We negotiated deals with basically all the big record labels. The ones I remember are Warner and um, Universal. Yeah, so I think um, in the beginning they, they just didn't understand it. They were like, why are you guys doing these 15-second you know, music clips? Like, what is, what is this? They, they didn't understand what was going on because it was such a new format.
1: ByteDance inherited all these relationships with the record companies when they purchased Musical.ly, and they became just one more way for ByteDance's CEO Zhang Yiming to buy power and influence in America. Initially, music executives were skeptical about doing business with Yiming and ByteDance because it was a Chinese company, and China was notorious for stealing intellectual property, including ripping off music
5: you know i think there was some natural skepticism of like hey can we trust these guys you know what's going to happen we've had issues in china with with
1: intellectual property that's john boyd bolton he was the american guy in the room representing bite dance so it was his job to quell the fears from the record labels
5: you know there was a lot of just trying to reassure the industry that these are good guys they're they're trying to do the right thing You know, their American investors insist on it. Otherwise, they won't they won't have a successful business if they don't do this right.
1: And John's reassurance has worked. TikTok has now launched the careers of a generation of artists. It's so influential that record labels, brands and advertisers say they can no longer turn away from TikTok, even if they don't quite understand it. Here's Tariq Alhamdouni, an executive at RCA, the label that signed Flo Millie.
8: We've never
5: seen this before. And I, and, I, and I haven't seen it um, consistently from any platform ever, where just over and over and over again, kids are able to take records and turn them into hits.
1: After the music industry fully embraced TikTok, it was like the company had arrived. The gatekeepers of American pop culture determined that TikTok was in. But I want to bring up something bittersweet here. Just as TikTok's growth was exploding, Alex Chu decides to take a leave of absence from the company. He told his coworkers, I need some time off. I'll let you know when I come back. Alex had achieved this massive success. He sold his startup and made a lot of money. His theories about stardom and music turned into a profitable business model. But still, he felt aimless and exhausted. He needed a break. He later told the New York Times that he spent these months clubbing in Shanghai, and listening to a lot of jazz. In Alex's absence, TikTok mostly answered to the ByteDance execs in Beijing, and the CEO, Zhang Yiming. And TikTok seemed to fulfill Yiming's wish. His social media platform had won over the world. But this very powerful app had a very large dark side. Because for all the fun people were having on TikTok, there were plenty of murky corners of the app filled with videos about anorexia, bullying, and sexual exploitation of the very young kids who were on the app. And because of the way TikTok's highly personalized algorithms work, it was extremely hard for parents and regulators to track what was going on and what kids were being exposed to on TikTok. We'll tell you more about that next time on Foundering. Foundering is hosted by me, Shelley Banjo. Sean Wen is our executive producer. Lucas Shaw, Sarah Fryer, Tom Giles, and Isabel Lee contributed reporting to this episode. Special thanks to Mark Bergen and Jepine Kwan. Ray Mondo is our audio engineer. Molly Nugent is our associate producer. Our story editors are Mark Millian, Anne Vandermeer, and Alistair Barr. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, and if you like our show, leave a review. Most importantly, tell your friends. See you next time.